The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the third chapter. Praise to you, O Lord. Your, uh, the reading can be found on page 1556 in the Pew Bible. Verses 20 through 35. Jesus accused by his family and by his teachers of the law. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, he is possessed by Beelzebub, the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. So Jesus called them over to him and began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. In a house divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. Truly, I tell you, people can be forgiven of all their sins and every slander they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they were saying, he has an impure spirit. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived standing outside. They sent someone to call him. A crowd was sitting around him and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers? Jesus uh, replied. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mothers and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Our sermon this morning comes from our Old Testament reading of Genesis chapter 3. I pray that God would show you the height and the breadth that he has for you in his son, Christ Jesus, this morning. Amen. <clears throat> Imagine yourself walking through a dark corridor and you can't see anything before you. But what you can sense is the smell of furs and mothballs. And as you continue to walk, you feel an excruciating drop in temperature. And you feel this crunch underneath your feet. And soon, you begin feeling pine needles scratching your cheeks as you walk. And at the end of the tunnel, you see a light and you see a lamppost in the middle of a forest. Do you know where you're at? You are in Narnia. And in C.S. Lewis's book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, 
the four children, Edmund, Peter, Susan, and Lucy, found themselves going through this magical wardrobe into this magical place called Narnia. And Lucy was the one who was there before all the other children. And she met this fawn named Mr. Tumnus. And Mr. Tumnus told her that Narnia was under the spell of the White Witch. And Mr. Tumnus told her that it was always winter and never Christmas. And you see the spell that the White Witch had put Narnia under is symbolic of the world we live in, the world that is in the state of the dominion of sin and death. And we know that prior to this morning's text, Eve partook of the fruit of good and evil and then gave it to her husband, for her husband Adam to eat also. And from that moment forward, we will never know what it's like to live in a pre-fallen world. You see, that lamppost in that icy forest represents the light of the world. The light that Aslan was going to promise to bring an end to. Just like in our gospel, it says, Christ says, I am the light of the world. And beginning with Christ's birth and continuing in his death and burial and resurrection, this hope of salvation in this darkened world has come to the world that we live in. And following the fall of Adam and Eve, God inquired of them from our text this morning. God asks them, where are you? Adam responded, I have heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree in which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, well, the woman you gave me, she gave me the, from the tree and I ate. And then the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, well, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And as the white witch deceived Edmund to gorge himself on enchanted Turkish delight, he later found himself delighting on stale bread for which he would later be condemned as a traitor. You see, Adam and Eve thought that they too would be like gods by partaking of the fruit but would realize that later they were at a stalemate with the angels who were guarding this, the garden with so burning swords never to enter again. In our text this morning, after Adam and Eve partook of this forbidden fruit, God asked them, where are you? 
they replied that they heard him, but they were naked and afraid, for they covered themselves with fig leaves because of their shame. And of course, God knew all along the answers to his questions. What God desired was Adam and Eve to confess their sins of what they had done. But instead, they had to pass the buck. The man said, the woman you gave me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. And then Eve replied, well, it was the serpent who deceived me and I ate. Edmund, too, lied and deceived his siblings about being in Narnia alone when he conspired with the white witch so that he would be made king. So he thought. And we, too, like Adam and Eve, try to cover our own sins before God and our fellow man. You see, we have plenty of fig leaves in our own wardrobe. They just come in different forms. They come in corduroy and velvet and denim and plaid and Hawaiian. You see, we deceive ourselves as well. Just like when we greet each other in the narthex and say everything's good when really deep down inside maybe things aren't really going that well at all. Maybe you got into an argument with your significant other on the way to church and pull it all together before you come in through the door. We have conflicts and disagreements at church in school, in our jobs. And we just try and hide them and just sweep them under the rug. Maybe it's our own family. We just can't muster up the courage to deal with the situation. No, we are no different than our father and mother, Adam and Eve where we like to pass, to pass the buck and justify our sin before God. It's the man or woman you gave me. Even though Adam and Eve were deceived, sin and death entered the world. And God gives us for the first time in all of scripture, his gospel message. Moses writes, the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go and dust you will eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on 
the heel. God's promises promises that the serpent will be cursed throughout his lifetime. And that final curse will come to fruition when God and his, I mean when Satan and his demons are cast into the fiery lake for all eternity. He also promises that he will put hatred between the woman's seed and his seed. You see, it's a spiritual battle for souls throughout this present age we live in. God promises that the serpent will bite his heel, yet God will crush the serpent's head. Satan thought he had won the battle when he had God's son crucified on the cross at Calvary. But little did he know that it was the final blow to him where the Son of God, right here on the cross, conquered sin, death, and the devil for all eternity. And think about this. This is the first time that anything had ever died in all of history. God took an animal and spilled its blood so that he could take off those scratchy, uncomfortable fig leaves and wrap an animal skin on Adam and Eve to atone for their sins. The first time death had entered the world. The first time anything, anyone or anything had ever died. Blood must have been shed for Adam and Eve's sin to be atoned for. And in Narnia, the white witch thought she had won a great victory according to the deep magic where a traitor, Edmund, must be put to death and thwart the plan of the four children sitting on the four thrones of Care Parabell. But Aslan, the great lion that represents the lion of the tribe of Judah, offered to sacrifice himself in place of Edmund, though Edmund was guilty of what he had done. We too are guilty of death because of what we have done or didn't do. The white witch, however, only bruised the lion's heel by sending him to stone table to be sacrificed. Little did she know that there was a deeper magic where stone table would be broken in two pieces and Aslan would crush the white witch's head by rising again from the dead. This deeper magic 
was foretold by Father Christmas, who's a John the Baptist figure, who told the children that Aslan is on the move. The same message that John the Baptist gives us. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. This prophecy of Genesis is at hand. This announcement of Christ's birth, death, burial, and resurrection, and the icy landscape of sin in which we live is coming to an end. When Aslan was sacrificed on stone table and it broke, just like when Jesus, our Lord, was crucified on the cross. The temple curtain was torn from top to bottom. To where now, because of his death and his resurrection, what was once for the high priest to go into the Holy of Holies once a year, now you too, through the gift of faith, can enter in to the Holy of Holies. You now can enter into that throne room of grace in time of need. Because Christ came in human form and lived in this life perfectly in your stead, He suffered all the sufferings like we do and all the trials like we do, and yet he was without sin. You can now enter into that Holy of Holies knowing that God accepts you as you are and as you aren't. And in our Gospel reading this morning, Jesus said, No man, no one can enter the strong man's house and plunders properly, property unless he first binds the strong man. And then he will plunder his house. You see, Jesus is the one who bound Satan and restricted his actions so that Christ has and will plunder the devil's house. The first and ultimate blow came here at the cross where Jesus defeated sin, death, and the devil for all eternity for you. And he will come again for you while casting Satan and his demons into the fiery abyss for all eternity. Satan did strike his heel, but Jesus crushed his head. Paul wrote to us this morning that our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day, while in hope of this anticipation of his final coming. We are not to look at what is seen, but what is unseen. We are not to trust in the temporal, but what is eternal. eternal. 
you see here at your baptismal font. <clears throat> what we see is water. But what is unseen is God's promise attached to this water that you are washed and forgiven that you have died in the likeness of Christ's death and you have risen anew out of the water of your baptism and made a new creation in him what is seen here at the altar is bread and wine. But what is unseen is that Christ is present here with us, giving us his good gifts this morning. Christ here is present in, around, and under, and through bread and wine, where he assures you by taste Take and eat, take and drink. This is my body shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sins. Yes, Aslan is on the move. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen.